Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest technology spotlight here on the Knowledge Cast. I'm Joe Hilger, co-founder of Enterprise Knowledge. Today, I'm speaking with Mathieu Jeanglais, the VP of Technology at Progress Software. For those that don't know Progress Software, Progress Software recently purchased Mark Logic and Semaphore, two of the biggest vendors in the space that we work in here today. And just a real exciting place to be is they're probably creating a vision for taking these tools and the other products that Progress has to the next level. Matthew, welcome. It's nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. And let's get started. Tell us about Progress Software, Semaphore, and Mark Logic. What's happening there and, and where are things headed? The stated mission of Progress, uh, and I'll start there. It may be a little bit strange not talking about product first, but let's talk about mission. The stated mission is to be the trusted provider of the best products to develop, deploy, and manage high-impact applications. I like to further qualify it by outlining that high-impact applications rely on high-impact data. And that high-impact data needs to be managed, hence a knowledge management connection. You know, there are, there's a, a people dimension, there's a process dimension, there's a technology dimension. And if I drill down even further in the two products you've mentioned, MarkLogic and Semaphore, you know, what are we trying to do? We're trying to solve complex data problems. Complex data problems by delivering data agility. What do I mean by that? And I'll take it from a customer perspective. I mean, our customers want to work with information differently. They, they want to connect, create, interpret, and consume data, but not on its own. You know, they want that along with everything that is known about that data. So context is essential. Context of where the information comes from, how it's going to be used, and the person that's going to consume it. So our customers want to be able to ingest anything, then make very nimble, and powerful changes to any aspect of how the data is connected. And, and that's where the, the semaphore connection comes in. You know, the semantic modeling, the data analysis, the, the fact extraction. So the interpretation of that data needs to be done at pace on live data. The data that our customer rely on uh, has to be in context of its use, of its audience. It has to be assured of its quality. It has to be unified complete and accurate. And all of those are, are really important dimensions in, in the data quality and the data authority that our customers expect you know, the, the platform to deliver. MarkLogic and Semaphore and, and the entire Progress data platform is data agnostic. That's a, a very important aspect as well. You can ingest any data. You know, we bag it, tag it, and immediately put it to use. And by any data, I mean documents. I mean graphs. I mean geospatial, temporal. Yeah, relational as well, of course. And our platform is not rip and replace. It enhances all existing investments in data systems with the ability to respond to business changes quickly. To put it simply, our customers use MarkLogic and Semaphore to change the way they work with information. That's well put, Matthew. I, I've, as we talked about before we got started here, worked with MarkLogic for a long time and and. I think of it as a tool that can take information of any structure and bring it in and allow you to start managing it and using it. So for our KM listeners, what this means is you can get the information you need to have the knowledge you want to make the right decisions more quickly and easily. 
And then Semaphore gives you that ability to provide structure across all these different disparate sources when you're starting to pull it together. Really a, a powerful combination in the idea of getting data and content together in front of people so that they have the right information at the right time, allowing them to make the right decisions. Is that a fair way to put what you just said? Absolutely. And extend your data universe as well. Just a recent industry figure, actually, I think it was IDC, quoting that 80% of enterprise data will be unstructured by 2025. And if you look at that and look at how many of the business decisions today are made on that 20%, the role of knowledge management in that context becomes obvious. I mean, it, it is getting hold of those 80%, making sure that you can drive your decision with the entirety of the knowledge you have across your data universe. Absolutely. And, and what a difference it makes for people making hard decisions to actually have the data that they need to make the right decisions. And so really, I guess what I'm hearing is what you all are focused on, Matthew, at Progress Software is making it easy to get that data in one place and manage it so that you can start to use it. So for organizations that are maybe looking at risk, for example, to be able to spot information about risks across data streams, external sources, and potentially even large documents and associate things together and then come out and say, here's what we're seeing. Here's what you should know about. This is what you're doing, right? This is a big part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the structure, the architecture of the data platform we're building and assembling with the software we've been working on for years is, as you say, connect any data, any application, any architectures, create, and that's not create content, that's create knowledge because the content exists, you have it. Yeah. Right, But it's creating knowledge out of that content. So knowledge graph modeling, fact extraction, classification, annotating and enriching content, and then consuming. Informed search is one example, contextual application, grounded analytics, fact-based intelligence, OBI, and those sort of topics are bread and butter in the federal space. And that's something that such an architecture can really help deliver. Wonderful. Yes. And I've used MarkLogic for many years and known about Semaphore for years. It's exciting to me that they now have someone new to invest and hope take them to the next level. So for our listeners, who's the one that should be asking about this product? Who's the one that should be learning more about it? And both what types of organizations and what type of roles within those organizations are really the buyers of your tools? I'm going to give you a very generic answer. I mean, anyone who breathes and lives data, really. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, we talk to CIO, to CDO, to CDAOs, because they want to better understand the data, better utilize the data. We talk to business system owners because they realize that the data is locked in the applications they use. We talk to knowledge managers. We talk to data scientists that need insight out of the data. And... In fact, I mean, what unifies many of those conversations is that we're seeing people move from a app-centric architecture to data-centric architecture. And I think that's a really important thing, um, you know, common denominator between a lot of the projects we're doing. You know, if you think about an ERP, about a CMS, about a authoring system, you know, all of those things have their own data models, their own set of APIs, their own data ecosystem and universe. We used to talk about data silos and breaking the data silos. In fact, when you look at the details of enterprise architectures, those data silos are not data, they're applications. So it's about anyone who wants to connect those applications and deliver data value that spans multiple data sources. We have a client that told us one of their challenges. They were a retail company and they had 
12 different point of sale systems. And to ask a question about sales, they had 12 applications that had different structures and organizations for how they looked at it. So what you're talking about is a classic example. How do you take 12 different structures and ask a question across these systems that is really these systems are about the same business purpose and you can't. And in this case, at least the systems had the same objective. So they probably had a data schema that somewhat overlapped or could be mapped. But now imagine you want to connect that to your order fulfillment system or to your contract system. The data point, the data dimension, the entities managed are different. And maybe in your contract management system, the, the contract's a PDF. How do you ask a PDF a question? You need to extract the facts. You need to start representing entities. And the more of those systems you want to connect, if you do point to point, that starts to exponentially goes up in terms of number of integrations. So the data hub, metadata hub, data fabric patterns that we are implementing nowadays allow to do a simple integration between the source system and the knowledge graph and the data fabric. And for each of those systems, you do one integration, one data interpretation, one representation of the entities, one ontology or semantic modeling, and then you can query the graph. So the ability to create modern applications to fulfill your digital transformation using that knowledge graph as a single entry point instead of having to go back to all of the source system is really a game changer for our customers. I can't help but think I was just this past week at a data conference. And of course, data mesh is the hot thing right now, which is about really getting the business to be able to engage on specific needs and deliver to the business, really hiding the structure of the data or not making that a problem for what's needed. And obviously data fabric and all this stuff helps make that happen. And this was very data structured, data centric. And I was like, yeah, that's that's about half of the actual story. I think there's another step. You and I would have had fun there kind of saying, oh, you're missing some of this. Uh, (laughs) But really the way you're thinking aligns with what we do. It's data mesh, but when we say data mesh, we talk about it for all types and structures of data. Exactly. I think the spectrum of moving from data mesh to data fabric to knowledge graph is really a question of metadata maturity. Not only the metadata schemas and the values that you're managing, but also your practice around metadata governance. I love it. Both of those products are leaders in the space. They've been first to market with a lot of ideas, and both Semaphore and MarkLogic continue to be well-known top-end choices in their space, even though their space is in ways rather niche or unusual. What makes both of those products unique against their competitors? Well, I suppose we've covered a fair amount of that already. The single biggest unique, I would say, is our data-centric view of the world and how that transcends trends and fashions, how we're not wedded to a particular application, but we're thinking from an entity perspective, from a data and knowledge perspective. Very important aspect as well is that we are aiming at business and technical users alike. We're not a database, we're not a search engine, we're not a semantic extractor. No, we're a solver of complex business problems. We're an enabler of knowledge management. And I think that's a really important aspect. We solve use cases, real use cases with real tangible value. (laughs) I'm going to focus on MarkLogic for a minute because it really has a unique footprint and style. What is MarkLogic? It's not a graph database, but it is. It's not a search engine, but it is. It used to be an XML database, and it still is, but it's more than that. It also does JSON. How would you describe it? Like, What exactly is MarkLogic so that our customers know when they run into it, 
not just the business stuff it solves, but what is it? Why do they care? So you're right. I mean, the origin of MarkLogic is being a document server, a special type of database, and also being a search engine. So what does it mean today? It means that we have the ability to store and query documents, locations, and semantic graph data. And that's a really important aspect because that is the multi-model capabilities that, that we were talking about earlier on. It has a unprecedented flexibility and agility when it comes to integrating data from silos, especially when we think about the data hub capabilities that we've added in the last few years. So MarkLogic supports fully ACID transactions, um, and that ensures the highest possible data reliability and integrity. And the advanced security features and governance capabilities are also meeting the most stringent standards of security and compliance that our customers have. We also have very flexible deployment options, on-prem, virtualized, and in the cloud. I mean, recently we've been investing a lot in Kubernetes deployments as well, because some of those clusters are extremely large. Yeah, performance. And, you know, I'm glad you talked about security. Because that hits so many of the industries that we work in and our clients are. You've got healthcare, which I know MarkLogic has a huge footprint. Then you've got federal, and these federal agencies are, in fact, I think I can say this, I believe MarkLogic may be at agencies like CIA and NSA because it has levels of security and ability to do research in a way that you couldn't otherwise. But large, complex, highly secure federal agencies use MarkLogic. And then you get into banking and then you get into publishing and, and all these different industries where you've been. And I think the combination of flexibility, maturity, and security are really rare for what MarkLogic brings to the table in its space. Is that fair to say, good differentiators? It is indeed. And add to that the semantic capabilities and all of the entity modeling capabilities, because if you think about what some of those agencies might do, or if you think about a traditional logistic use case, or any enterprises out there, actually, what do we do? Well, we hire people to build product to sell to customers. We track those shipments, and we support those products in the life cycle as customers have inquiries, support issues, require additional knowledge, want to renew, or buy again. So... Just here, I mean, you've got a set of 10 or 12 entities, relationship between them, and we have data points about those entities in all of our systems. So that entity-driven view of the world, which is the foundation of your knowledge graph, already here you can see it being fed from all the data extracted in your relational systems, in your data systems, in your intranet, in the contracts you have with clients, in chat or email messages from your support line, in transcription from the calls you're getting in your call centers. And you can see how your different data silos, your different application silos are fitting in knowledge graph, are fitting it a data fabric to create a new digital experience for those customers. Because if you have that entity model and it is properly populated with all those data sources, you can track end-to-end what your product is composed of, the challenges that it faces, the most common problems, how you might adjust your engineering process to resolve those. Or you might track shipment problems, logistic challenges in getting your product to your customers. There's all sorts of things, all sorts of business analytics and insight. You can start deriving, now that you've got that entity model in context, and all the data fitting that entity model properly adjusted and inserted in the graph. 
KnowledgeCast is brought to you by Enterprise Knowledge, the world's largest dedicated knowledge management consultancy. From training to benchmarks, strategy, design, prototyping, and all the way to enterprise-level implementations, Enterprise Knowledge wants to be your services partner. Spanning the fields of knowledge management, knowledge graphs, data, learning, advanced content management, and enterprise artificial intelligence, contact us at info at enterprise-knowledge.com to discuss how we can support you. I love that you keep saying context, because to me, data without context doesn't offer truth. And what I mean by that is you can hear data and say, oh, that, that must mean X. And it may or it may not. But when you have a little more context about what the data is, what it's specifically about, suddenly, again, as we talk about knowledge, you can understand not just what this data is telling you, but you have the knowledge of what it means and why I care about what it's telling you. And so I really wanted to call that out because that idea of understanding context is just so important to actually making proper use of the data and the analytics that you receive. What it means is less fake news, shall we say. (laughs) Absolutely. And identifying context for the data for the users and the people in charge of governance is really key because at all of those stages, not only you need to analyze the context, but you also need to keep the context honest in that bias can be introduced at every single one of those stages. Understanding that bias, potentially modeling it as well to compensate for it, or at least knowing what it was so you can understand how accurate or how trustworthy this data is, or one-sided that data is, is really critical. I mean, especially nowadays when we're doing more and more conversation around machine learning and artificial intelligence, information bias is really critical. A lot of the hallucination of chat GPT come from information bias. You know, that's such the talk these days, but we're now hearing as they've been tuning it, it's broken some other stuff. One thing that used to be right 98% of the time is now wrong, <laughs> you know, something like 70% of the time. And we're seeing just the challenges of playing with this data and dealing with bias. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So Progress has bought these two wonderful products that I've known for years. I'm thrilled about that. What's next? What's Progress going to do with it now now that you have it? What cool things are you going to add to it? Because I'm sure for our customers, the question is going to be, okay, I like these two tools, but they have a new owner. And what does that mean to me? Are they going to invest and make them better together? Or are they going to go in the same direction I want to go? And and I, I bet you have some thoughts there. Absolutely. So rest assured, we're carrying on investing in those products and accelerating the roadmaps, in fact. Accelerating the roadmaps in two ways. Uh, The first one is leveraging some of the capabilities that Progress has in the data connectivity space to accelerate the ingest vision of the data platform. Because connecting to all the data sources we talked about is a challenge. And Progress has a fantastic product called DataDirect, which is one of the leader in terms of connecting to multiple data sources, relational or non-relational. So you can even do connectivity to REST APIs, for example, and applications, and get the information out of that. So fantastic way to accelerate our ingestion, all of the ingress side of the story. And the other aspect that is also accelerated in terms of roadmap is a developer experience. 
since you mentioned you're following MarkLogic, you've probably noticed over the last year or so, probably a couple of years now, we've really accelerated the pace of our developer experience program. So new APIs, new integrations, re-release of existing ones, support new protocols, uh, enrich the offering, etc. And one of the things that we really want to achieve is simplify building applications on top of the MarkLogic data platform. All of our customers are full-stack developers. They can craft applications really quickly. So we want to make sure they can craft application, data-driven applications as quickly as they're able to do mobile applications or internet applications. So we've taken MarkLogic, coupled it with some of the other brands from Progress, so Kendo UI, for instance, to essentially provide an application blueprint where a full-stack developer can take the widget component, visual components, and get data from MarkLogic and render some beautiful applications very quickly. So it's not going to be a shrink wrap application. It does everything for you. No, I mean, you still need to think about your data workflows, about how you want to position your data, how you want to enable your users with that data, because it is a knowledge management play, right? It's not a, I'm going to snap something at the corner of the screen. The objective is to really reduce the time to market for those applications. Wow. Taking one of the, in my mind, one of the old school classic backend tools, flexible and wonderful and putting the ability to quickly build front ends. That's neat. And I see why people would care about that. So that's exciting. I argue that we're not classic and old school. No, we're modern and uh, (laughs) knowledge. You are modern. Yes, you are. I take that back. I, I just... I'm old school and I've had plenty of experience with MarkLogic. That's fair. It has never been something that sat still. It's not a relational database. And I say that in the most positive way possible. It lacks the forced structure that limits what you can do with it. And that's what's neat. But now what you're doing is you're taking this incredible backend tool and you're putting ways to make it easier to integrate, but also ways to make it easier to put a front end on top of it. That was always a task I remember working with it. So, Absolutely. That's- and to pick up on a comment about relational databases and backends, et cetera. You know, we were talking earlier on about breaking data silos. You know my view on that already. But if you think about what the traditional tools, the traditional answers are doing, I mean, put a relational database with a data warehouse, put a search engine, put a triple store. You're not breaking data silos, you're creating new silos. MarkLogic, by being multimodal, is actually storing everything in one place, allowing you to operationalize all those types of data in one engine with one set of APIs and bringing everything in one view. So it's not your knowledge management DIY solution that we often find and replace. It's a fit-for-purpose, dedicated solution for knowledge management. I love it. There's your elevator pitch. That's the difference. So last question, and this is one, it doesn't have to be product-centric. I love to ask this to the thought leaders behind the products that we partner with and work with. And it's technology has changed the way we think about knowledge management. You know, I just recently wrote a blog post on this subject. What more can we do to improve the flow of information internally and externally to an organization? And really, what's next? What's the future? How do we take knowledge management to the, to the next level? Very good question. I mean, it is true that technology has already, to a large extent, uh, revolutionized the way we approach knowledge management. All the things we've talked about so far are illustrations of that. If you think about all of the technology we talked about so far, about ingesting data sources, about harmonizing data, about all those aspects of gathering the existing data that you have 
and making it useful, turning it into knowledge. There's one type of data we haven't talked about yet, and that's the data that is in the heads and the minds of people. A large portion of enterprise knowledge is not codified yet. And I think we have a big role here in defining collaboration and communication tools that will help codify that, who will help capture that. And we're starting to see some of that in some form of enterprise social networking, expert network identification, those sort of things. But there's a lot to be done still in helping collaborate on documents, collaborate on data, collaborate on blog posts, announcements, internal social media, those sort of things. So think about it in terms of gamification of knowledge capture. We're not going to get people to sit down and type what they know. But we're going to get them to exchange or share the knowledge, give their wisdom to someone else. And if we can gain insight from that, we can start building and enriching those knowledge graphs. So that's probably one big aspect. The second aspect, and that's something that we've seen in a couple of projects, actually, is how mobile devices are changing the interaction between people and data. I think there's one healthcare project we did where a mobile application was used to allow relative of patients to provide feedback to nursing staff and doctors about the health of their relative. And the amount of information that was captured there really allowed to change diagnostic and to change the way people were being treated and people were actually receiving those treatments. Because when you're visiting a hospital, a retirement home, etc., you do not have time to actually interact with the staff there. And even if you did, a lot of the insight that you have are things you think about on your way home. It's not things that you necessarily think about sharing on the spot. So all of those forms of mobile devices access and chat and those sort of things are also giving us a new edge on data capture, you know, kind of a long tail of data. One thing you mentioned in your question was external knowledge sharing. That's a really interesting topic as well. I mean, we're seeing a lot of that, especially in the pharma space, for example, with a lot of work being farmed off to CROs and having a good semantic model, a good frame of reference to share data is critical. So we're talking here about semantic models, we're talking about ontologies, we're talking about all those things, but we're also talking about the human and process side associated with that. Because we're looking at an ecosystem where information is starting to flow more freely. There are probably precursors uh, in that area. Uh, We're not seeing it in the more mainstream industry supply chains yet. I imagine it's only a matter of time because if you think about product traceability, and customers are asking traceability about their products more and more. If you think about that, how could you, when you pick up a product on the shelf and your regulator trace back that to a distribution warehouse, to a manufacturing line, to a raw material supplier that you investigated three months ago and had a quality control problem, for example. That supply chain visibility and transparency is something that is going to become more and more important and knowledge management at each and every of the steps of that journey will be critical. And one topic that we can't escape, I'm sure, is the artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, topic because it's one question that every data organization is grappling with at the minute. Yes. And thoughts there for Semaphore and MarkLogic and Progress Software as a whole. Where are you all headed there? It's a fantastic opportunity, actually. A very strong interplay between what we're doing and that space. Because if you think about what will keep LLMs or small language models, actually, as we're starting to see some of them being used at our customers, what is going to keep that honest? It's the data. The biggest challenge in enterprise deployments of machine learning projects is keeping the data current and accurate, 
validating the answers for hallucinations in the case of ChatGPT, but being able to provide lineage and traceability of the answers. And that means bringing back some elements of the answers to the data that was used to make that decision. So linking elements of the answers back to trusted, accurate internal data that is currently managed. That's a really important topic. I mean, we've got a webinar where we've illustrated ChatGPT on its own, ChatGPT with MarkLogic, ChatGPT with MarkLogic plus Semaphore. So you can see a standard answer, an answer based on your enterprise data, an answer based on your enterprise data plus semantics. That's what we're seeing more and more is the answer is to be able to give it some targeted information and to actually steer ChatGPT and other similar tools in the right direction based on what you have. I see where you're headed with this. It's so easy to collect this information in MarkLogic and find it and target it that it can be a great kind of tool for guiding these LLMs to give back the right answers. Matthew, that's very fun. I love that as, <laughs> as a use and one that probably every client we have is asking, how do we do this stuff and what should we do? So, Just a little uh, point of reference because I think that will be very useful for our listeners here. One of the biggest challenges when you do a LLM project is, and if you look at the traditional recipe, you're probably going to put a vector database or something like that in the middle. Once you're in the vector space, that data is no longer human-readable. It's very powerful, very useful for ChatGPT and for LLMs and for those sort of things, but you cannot use it for any other purpose. And also, the calculations and vectors, the values for the vectors are changing when you change the model. I mean, today, if you're using ADA2, you're going to end up with one set of vectors. If you change that mechanism, you're going to have a completely different set of vectors. So you need to refeed your data. When you use MarkLogic in that context, that data is your data, enriched with all of the mechanisms that we've talked about, ontology, semantics, you know, TDEs, and all of those things that are data-centric. So not only you can feed your ChatGPT or LLMs, get good value, good data, improve accuracy there, but also mean all of that effort is also reusable directly for typical enterprise knowledge type products and solutions that you want to build on top for data analytics, for BI. So don't fall in the trap of ChatGPT and LLMs as yet another silo. And I love you using the term enterprise knowledge. That's perfect. <laughs> we like that term. This has been a lot of information. Anything to wrap up? You may have said it all. I might have said it all indeed. Little plug maybe on the data bias question, because that's uh, an area that we publish quite a lot on at the moment. I know we've done uh, a series of blogs and articles on the topic. So I just wanted to say for everyone that took the time to listen, thank you for listening to this episode of KnowledgeCast. And Mathieu, I'd like to thank you once again for joining us. And to learn more about knowledge management and knowledge management systems, feel free to visit our website at enterprise-knowledge.com or you can go to the Progress software website as well, which is progress.com.